It's hard to believe, but we are just 34 days from a brand new year. And when we enter a brand new year, there's so many business owners who are looking at their businesses and figuring out what worked, what didn't, and how to improve for the following year. So in this episode, I'm going to be talking about the different things that I recommend you audit in your business so that you can head into 2024 confident in the plan you have in place. Welcome back to the CEO Shift. Today, we're going to be chatting through auditing your business and what that I feel should look like at this time of year. I recommend auditing your business about once a quarter and really keeping close tabs on your numbers once a month, especially if you are running an agency, a team, that sort of thing where you have to you know, run payroll or you're paying people regularly within your business. Keeping a really close eye on those numbers, on your cost of doing business and that sort of thing makes a huge difference in making sure that you're remaining profitable. That's something that I am extremely passionate about and in making sure that your business isn't just quote unquote bringing in six figures, but you are profitably bringing in six figures. Okay. And that's a totally different episode for another time, but let's talk about auditing your business. The first thing I recommend auditing is your systems. If you have followed me for any length of time, you know, systems is kind of my thing. I love systems. And I also put a lot of stock in really good systems in solid systems. And this isn't just the systems in your business and or just your CRM. This is the system of your emails. How do you manage your email inbox? How do you manage your calendar? How do you do your client onboarding? How do you manage your content? And then on the home side, it's, you know, your morning routines. How do you stay on top of all of the tasks that need to be done in your home? How do you stay on top of where the family needs to be or the dog's appointments or the kid's games or, you know, it's the end of the year. So there's 105 different shows or parties or, you know, whatever type of thing is going on. And, um, and it's a lot to kind of keep everything going. And as a business owner, we have this extra element of stress of our to-do list to kind of keep everything afloat. So when, we're coming at to the end of the year and going into the following year, I really like to kind of sit down and audit what is happening in my business systems wise and where can we make improvements. I did this at the tail end of 2022 and made several, for me, big adjustments going into 2023. I had my admin assistant, she's been working with me now for three years and is phenomenal. I adore her. She is what I consider the glue of kind of me in the business. She makes sure that my calendar is scheduled in the way that I need it. And what I mean by that is I try not to have more than three hours of calls in a day. And once she sees that that three hour threshold has been met, then she blocks that that day um, on my calendar. So she does that. She does all of our graphics for both of our podcasts. Uh, She 
does all of the guest emails for the Success Beyond the Lens podcast. And then at the top of this year, I increased her responsibilities again and had her do all of our client onboarding. So not only is she just ordering the client gift, she is also setting up recurring invoices. She's setting reminders to follow up on their contract once we're 30 days out from expiring. She sets them up in there uh, with a ClickUp space and tags in their new account manager, all of those things. So it really ended up freeing up a lot of time on my end with stuff that initially I didn't think I could outsource. It, It was things that I felt like I needed to keep a pulse on. But once I kind of evaluated where I was spending my time, we had seen this surge in new clients and I was really slow in getting things over to my team or getting the ClickUp spaces built or, you know, whatever the case may be, or they wouldn't be built a hundred percent the way they needed to be because I would get distracted doing something else. (laughs) And so when I switched everything over to, ironically, her name is Jen with one N. Uh, when I switched everything over to Jen, that was a big system shift for us. I created a detailed SOP on how to onboard admin clients, marketing clients, and system clients. And she took it and ran with it. And now my team gets exactly what they need every single time. Our clients' recurring invoices get set up every single time. And one of the clues that I got that I needed to evaluate this system at the tail end of last year as I was auditing our invoices and I was going over things like something just isn't making sense here. And I realized that I had missed two invoices with a client because I failed to set up her recurring invoice after she had onboarded with us. So that was a big kind of light bulb moment for me. And and then the other thing that I was letting slip through the cracks is contract renewals. Once we had our 90 days of trial period, if things were going well, then you know we kind of just moved to a month-to-month basis and it was fine and dandy. But what was happening is if somebody wanted to part ways, which totally happens and that's totally fine, they weren't giving us sufficient notice and I was losing a client a couple of days before they were supposed to be making their next payment, which is always hard on a small business owner. So that was another big change in switching the contract renewals over to Jen. She sets those reminders. She follows up with them until we get an answer back. And it helps maintain SBTL's boundaries and JBC's boundaries just even that much better because we have the contracts in place. And Jen is phenomenal about getting those reminders sent. So when you're reviewing, you're auditing your systems, you want to take a look and see like, where are you dropping the ball in your business? Is it a fact that you don't have time to do it? Do you not want to do it? And is there somebody already on your team that could absorb those tasks for you and open that space back up to you? And and that's, that's what worked really well for us. And Jen is phenomenal. If you don't have somebody already on your team that can absorb those tasks like Jen did, then you could consider 
is it time to hire somebody to kind of handle those tasks, especially if they're all the same type of tasks. So with Jen, like she does the client onboarding, the ClickUp space, recurring invoices, the contracts, all of that, all of that is client management. She's managing the ongoing relationship with that client as far as paperwork goes. So it absolutely, if I didn't already have her in my business, would have made sense for me to hire somebody for client management role. So when you're looking at this role, if there are enough tasks that are similar, you could hire somebody specifically for those tasks. So for example, if you're struggling with answering emails, sending contracts, sending out proposals, managing your calendar, you can hire an admin assistant or an executive assistant, whatever you want to call them, to handle that aspect of your business. And it would make sense. Now, if you're bad about posting on social media and answering emails and sending contracts and and like putting together reels and those sorts of things, like those are like two different people. And that's something you have to kind of figure out what needs to take priority. So when reviewing your systems in the business, seeing like where you're dropping the ball, where there's bottlenecks, where the client experience isn't what you want it to be, and then putting in a system that alleviates those problems. So if your client experience isn't what you want it to be, then setting up a CRM like HoneyBook or Dubsado or 17 Hats is going to improve that client experience depending on what type of business you have and what you want your client experience to be. If you are struggling with getting regular content out, then figuring out what is a system you need to create in order to get content out regularly. This is something that I struggle with and I'm not at a point where I want to outsource it yet because I've tried to outsource it a couple of times and it hasn't worked well for me. So trying to figure out, okay, can I create graphics on one day and then create copy on another day and then schedule on another day? Or maybe I do the graphics and the copy and then someone else schedules it. So, you know, what is the system I need to create there in order to post consistently? I'm still working on that. And then figuring out, you know, what systems are in your home, in your life, aren't working well. One of the things that I've been working with a couple of my consulting clients is eating at home more regularly or cooking dinner more regularly is the big one. And the best resource I've seen for that goal is five dinners, one hour. It's a website that I've been using for a few months now, and I absolutely love it. If you get, I think, 20 new recipes per month, you get access to hundreds, literally hundreds of other recipes. And they're really diverse recipes. It's not just your typical like dump and go dinners. There's crock pot meals, sheet pan meals. They're wholesome meals. You're not putting a ranch packet on chicken and calling it a day type of deal. Not that there's anything wrong with those, but I was really tired of those types of meals. And I was also really tired of making tacos, spaghetti, and burgers. So not only did I find that this website gives me new recipes to try and that sort of thing, but they're also 
easy because I am not a person that likes to spend a lot of time in, in the kitchen. I actually don't like to spend almost any time in the kitchen. So like 30 minutes or less is where my happy place is. And so many of their meals are well-rounded. Their crock pot, their one pot, their sheet pan, you know, things that I can kind of throw together. And I don't even do the prep part of the recipes that a lot of them call for. I typically just cook whatever I put on the menu that day, the same day. I don't do the prep work. I would like to. I just haven't gotten to that yet. But that's one system that we've implemented in in our home is my husband and I sit down. We put together our menu based on the recipes, mostly from that website. And then, you know, possibly pulling a couple of our other favorites from Pinterest or recipes that we've had in our back pocket for, for years at this point. And then we do the grocery shopping and all of that. Um, and that's been a really big help in having us eat at home more often. And it's helped a couple of my clients as well. Uh, the other thing you can look into is Instagram. There's so many great quote unquote influencers now who offers this similar type of service where they're doing these really easy family friendly uh, meals on Instagram. So you can always search there as well. And of course, there's always Pinterest, which is what another personal favorite of mine. So figure out what systems are working well in your home and what systems aren't working or what are the gaps in your home. If you are struggling with keeping up with the bathrooms or laundry or the floors or whatever the case may be, then figuring out what can you put in place to alleviate the, you know, the problems that you're having, whether that's hiring a cleaner or putting together a weekly cleaning schedule, if that's something that you can, you can keep with. One thing that I prefer to do now is I will call my cousin while she's on her daily walk. I'll do the dishes or I'll cook dinner or I'll get laundry folded or I'll sweep the house or do a couple of those things in the middle of the week just to kind of stay on top of things. And then I do a full clean on Friday afternoon if I'm able to wrap up work early, which is, I would say like eight times out of 10 or Saturday morning. And I, you know, I dust and I do the floors and I get us caught up on laundry and that sort of thing. So just kind of identifying where in your business, your systems, you know, are failing you or you don't have systems yet. And then in your home where your systems are failing you or you don't have systems yet and figuring out where to implement systems so that you can get that balance back. And when you're doing this, this is the hard part. This is the, I feel like this is the hardest part of this advice. When you're doing this audit, identify what you want to change, then do them one at a time. You don't want to implement five new systems in your home all in the same week because everyone in your home is going to get overwhelmed and those systems aren't going to stand the test of time. You want to start with one system. For us, that was five five dinners, one hour. We started using that. I created a menu. I went grocery shopping and we followed that pattern really well for a while. If you are someone who really needs a cleaning schedule, then start with a cleaning schedule. If you are someone who, you know, has a couple of 
young children from the ages of five and up, if you're overwhelmed with things in the home, delegate some things to them. My son is just turned six. And for the last year, one of his main responsibilities is to pick up all of the dog bowls out of the kitchen floor after they've eaten and put them up. It's four dog bowls and we have a pretty small kitchen. So that's actually really important. Otherwise I will inevitably trip on them. So now typically, as soon as the dogs are finished eating, he goes and picks them up without us prompting him any longer because it's just something that he's been doing for so long at this point. The other thing that I have him do regularly is he has a dedicated laundry basket in his room and he puts his dirty clothes in that basket every single day. It seems like a small thing, but just being able to either tell him what I'm doing lunch, you're like, hey, go grab your basket and bring it into the laundry room, please. Or if he's not home, then I can easily grab that basket and take it to the laundry room. I'm not having to walk around his room or in the bathroom and figure out where the clothes are. They're all in one spot. There's no extra time figuring out where they're at or something like that. So just, I mean, even simple systems like that makes a huge difference. Do you have zero balance between your work and life? Are you losing leads because you're overwhelmed? Are you losing sales because you are constantly putting out fires? If you answered yes, then I would love to encourage you to join our Business Boundaries Bootcamp. This free, self-paced, four-video program is all about determining, maintaining, and implementing your boundaries so you can run a business you love again. Head over to the link in our show notes to sign up. The next thing you want to kind of figure out what you what you want to audit in the business is your services. Are the services that you currently have still serving your audience? And are they at a price point that is still serving you and your business? I was struggling with profitability this summer, which is one of the reasons why I've done such a 180. I shouldn't say that. I haven't done a 180 as far as like being passionate about making sure my people are profitable. It's more like it was a wake up call for me. My businesses have always been profitable and I've been very blessed that that has been the case. So I kind of took it for granted. And when things began to not make sense, I was like, well, what is happening? So I went and did a big audit on my numbers. And I mean, we were still profitable, but it, you know, we were down by like 20%. And that's a lot when you're talking about a small business. And I was like, what is going on? And I, you know, I was taking a look at things and I, I had all of these empty hours and I wasn't utilizing our, our client income well in the business. And then I also realized that there were some clients, I mean, I knew it in my head, but like on paper, figuring out numbers, I didn't put two and two together. I realized that I hadn't raised a couple of our clients' rates that were from like our original pricing back in 2020. And they had had that pricing for almost two years because they kind of missed the cutoff when I raised prices 
initially uh, a couple of years ago. So they were right at the cusp of coming in right before I raised rates. And I realized on those accounts, not only was I not profitable, I was actually losing money. I hadn't done an update on my cost of doing business or what it cost me to retain those clients in well over a year. And when I began to crunch the numbers, I was like, oh, well, no wonder, you know, my profitability is like down 20%. I'm, I have these hours that aren't reaping the benefits, the, you know, I'm not getting the return on investment at all on these hours. And, and then over here, I'm losing money because my, those rates are so far off from where we need to be. So immediately sent out a price increase email to those clients and, and then kind of reevaluated, ended up doing another price increase on new clients coming in this fall. And now our profitability is back up where it should be and things are kind of moving, moving along. So you want to audit your services. Are the services that you have serving your audience? Is it what your audience needs? And does your price point make sense? You want to be sure that you're remaining competitive, but you also don't want to be undercharging to the point that you possibly look like a fraud. I've run into this where I've looked at hiring somebody and I'm like, why are they so cheap? And I actually didn't go with those people or that person or that brand because I didn't trust the product. So you want to make sure that you're remaining competitive. You can, you know, do some market research in your area or in your niche or in your within your service industry and kind of figure out where the rates are at versus where you're at and then kind of figure out if you need to raise your rates or not. Most of the time, you need to raise your rates. Okay? And this is coming from somebody who needs to raise her rates. And then the other thing to consider when you're auditing your services is do you need all the services that you offer? This is something that I've bounced back and forth with on the SBTL side a lot over this last year. We have a couple of services that we only have a hand, you know, a couple of clients that utilize it and it's not services that we're really known for. So I've seriously considered getting rid of those services or only offering it to people who are referred to us or ask about it or something like that. I still haven't decided what I'm going to do there, but it is something that that's on my mind. I know it's not our strongest point in the business. So I'm asking myself the question of, okay, if I get rid of it, is that going to open up resources, time, mental space to market and create leads for our other services, which would be a great thing? Or do I need to strengthen our marketing plan as a whole so that each arm of our business is getting the appropriate visibility and opportunity to have someone work with us? So I'm still answering those questions myself as we get ready to head into 2024. Those are questions you need to ask yourself in your business too. And and then if you have a quote unquote like dead service, then get rid of it. It's costing you more to keep it, especially if you don't have anybody that's utilizing it, than it is for you to keep marketing the same service. Okay. 
The other thing I want you to audit in your business and your home is your schedule. This really comes back to creating a balanced life that you love. And that's something that I am so, so passionate about, especially in this podcast with this brand is ensuring that the business owners that are in my network who listen to me on this podcast, who end up working with me you know, through consulting, is that you're living a balanced life you love. And you can't do that if you don't know what schedule you want. <laughs> and it seems like such a basic thing. But I feel like as entrepreneurs, as business owners, we kind of have this idea that we run our business. So we're like, working 24 seven. And that's just, that shouldn't be the case. You should absolutely have strict parameters on when and how you work. I've done a whole training, free training on determining, creating and maintaining your boundaries. And this is a big part of that training is helping you create a schedule that you love. And once you determine your schedule, you can really hone in on on those boundaries. I know that I work best when I do not have calls on Mondays and Fridays, period, the end. I make exceptions now and then, especially if I have, like if I've taken a Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday off for a hair appointment or something like that, then I'll do calls on a Monday or a Friday to make up for that day I'm actually out of the office. But for a standard work week, I do not do calls on Mondays and Fridays. It allows me to start my week with, you know, kind of coming in strong. Typically, I start my day between 9.30 and 10 a.m. Mondays right now, especially because I'm nursing a litter of kittens. So it just, it kind of allows me to set up my work week without any pressure, without any extra commitments or obligations on on Mondays. And then on Fridays, it's really my my day to wrap up any projects I need to get done and over to clients, um, any content I need to do for JBC or SBTL to get things that my team might need to work on, you know, passion projects or important projects in my businesses, those sorts of things. And again, I don't want to have to work around calls when I'm doing those things. So That's a big, bold boundary for me. Most like nine times out of 10, I do not, I do not cross that boundary. Um, And it's a lot easier to follow because my admin assistant who helps manage my calendar knows I don't do calls Mondays and Fridays. So uh, the other thing I know is I like to start my day uh, between eight and nine typically. And I like to end my day between two and four. Ideally, I like to be done no later than three, because that typically gives me at least an hour to kind of decompress before I have to switch over to mom mode. If I work past three o'clock, I'm typically going right from CEO mode into mom wife home management mode. And I really like to have that space between switching roles in my day to, to decompress, to, you know, go outside, to, maybe read a few few pages of a book or listen to music or just sit down and veg, honestly, for like 30 minutes. Just something to kind of slowly transition me from one role to the next. It helps me mentally a lot. I do the same thing in the mornings. I'm typically up no later than 6.30 on, on the weekdays. 
but I'm not in my desk typically until nine. And the mornings are, have become just this really special time to me now that my husband takes care of our son in the mornings. They're out the door no later than 7 a.m. So I'm getting two hours to enjoy a hot cup of coffee, or I've been doing writing sessions with a very good friend of mine where her and I will jump on Zoom and we will work on our novels separately, but together. (laughs) Um, Or we have a passion project where I'm co-hosting a book podcast. So she and I, you know, we'll record episodes in the morning. So those, those couple of hours is really time for me to fuel my cup and fuel, you know, or do the things that fuel my soul. And, you know, I mean, I've spent time with my horses. I've gone for a ride. I've gone for a walk with my dogs. Right now I'm nursing kittens. You know, it's, it's just, it's time for me to just kind of get ready to start my day. And instead of having to rush from one thing to to the next. So when you're auditing your schedule, when you're auditing what you want your, your days to feel like, I want you to consider building in that white space as you switch from role to role. We are constantly going, especially if you are the home manager or the default parent or both. (laughs) In a lot of our cases, we're running businesses and we're running homes and we're managing so much of the family's comings and goings. And it's a lot. So giving yourself 30 minutes, two hours of white space between switching, you know, your roles throughout the day. For me, it's helped me tremendously to not feel anxious, to not feel rushed, and to really allow me to step fully into whatever role I'm heading into. I'm not having one foot in the mom role and one foot in the CEO role, or, you know, one foot in the self-care role and one foot in the CEO role. Like I'm sitting here, you know, listening to my book, but I'm also checking emails or I'm over here playing with my son, but I'm also listening to a boxer. I'm really trying to, and 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 again, this white space is allowing for it more and more. When I'm with my family, I'm with my family. When I am at work, I am at work. It's not one foot, you know, in in both places. So audit your schedule. Figure out where can you build white space? What kind of schedule do you want to keep? And how can you make that schedule happen? The last thing I want you to audit in your business, in your home, are your boundaries. I know we've talked about this a lot. I have a whole training on it, but just real quick, I'm going to mention it here too, because I do believe that they are that important. Figure out where your boundaries are currently, if you have them. Figure out where you are crossing your boundaries continuously and why, and then Put the systems in place to help you maintain those boundaries. Now, it could be a system. It could be a person. Like I said, I have Jen, my admin assistant, who, you know, once she sees that I've hit three hours of calls in a day, then she's going to block my calendar. If someone messages her or, you know, sends an email into our inbox and, and asks if I can meet at such day, such time, and I'm already at three hours for the day, then she's going to, you know, say, hey, I'm sorry, you know, Jen's unavailable. She's already booked that day. Her next available appointment is 
such and such. And she normally gives them three or four options. And that is a tremendous help. You know, so figuring out if, if, okay, a perfect example, let's say your one of your boundaries is that you stop work at 4pm, but you are finding that you are working till five and 6pm regularly, at least three times a week. This was the case for one of my consulting clients. And once we started digging into things, you know, I had her do an audit. And she found that because it wasn't a firm boundary in her mind, it wasn't a priority. So she wanted to be done at four, but she just kept working later and later. So once we kind of sat down and said, okay, you are done at four, what do you need to delegate in order to make that happen? She was able to delegate, you know, some things in order to make it happen, but it also became a priority because she set the boundary. There's a lot of times when we're like, oh yeah, it'd be nice, you know, if I could do a half day on Friday. Uh, but it never happens because we don't decide I'm doing a half day on Fridays. We're like, eh, if it happens, it happens. And then it doesn't. And then we're like, man, why not? <laughs> Which we didn't make it a priority. So it doesn't happen. So if you're, if you are stepping over a boundary or you're not maintaining that boundary, you need to ask yourself why and then figure out a way to implement and maintain that boundary. If it's still a boundary you want to maintain, it might be that you've stopped maintaining the boundary because it's no longer as important to you. For example, I, when my son was at home, I worked from home with him full time from six months to two years. I had a babysitter off and on during that time. I had babysitters that were off and on during that time, but I had to be really, really strategic with how I used my time. So I would work very early, early mornings, like between four and 6am. And then a lot of the times he was going to bed around seven. So I would work from like seven to nine. And once he started going to school and I was able to work, you know, more normal hours, what used to be not a big deal of answering emails at 6am ended up becoming too much. You know, I, I was busy getting him up and out the door, getting him dressed, making sure he was fed, getting his backpack, pack, packing his lunchbox and getting him to the Montessori school. So what used to not be a boundary at all, I actually had to implement the boundary of, okay, now I don't start my day until nine. And on the flip side, I used to not answer or get back to a lot of my clients between like 12 and two, because he was getting up from his nap, we were doing lunch. And then I was wrapping things up. Once I set him up to play or whatever, after two o'clock. Well, once I wasn't working at 6am, I was working at nine, I was working from like nine to three. And I can easily get to things between 12 and two. So that was a boundary I could remove while replacing it with, you know, with a new time. So evaluate your boundaries and figure out, do you need to adjust them? Do you need to remove some? Do you need to add some? And then create the system or the support to help you implement and maintain those boundaries. Whether that's a scheduling link that 
has what your schedule is available or an admin assistant that helps you say no, uh, contracts that help you implement your boundaries and uh, your standards and that sort of thing. Once you have audited your systems, your services, your schedule, and your boundaries, you are going to potentially come up with the to-do list of what you need to fix in order to have a more balanced 2024. I don't want you to be so overwhelmed with that list that you end up sticking your head in the sand. Tackle it one thing at a time. Take the system and break it into bite-sized pieces that are easily manageable. And then once you tackled that, then move on to the next thing. Or if you can, hire somebody to create the system or implement the system or hire a VA so that you can delegate you know, regular tasks, whatever that looks like for you. But I don't want you to get so overwhelmed that you don't take any action. Take that big task list, break it down into small steps, and then tackle the small steps. You don't have to do things constantly in order to see success. You do have to do things consistently to see success. So if you need to take the next four weeks off because you're in burnout mode, and if I know so much of my audience is still, you know, photographers or service providers. We're all kind of in this holiday hustle right now, right? If once the holiday season is over, you need to take some time off, then do that. Take the first last year. I had a crazy uh, December 2022 just was kind of bananas. And it wasn't until mid-January when I sat down and did my vision board and my goals for 2023. I was quote unquote behind the eight ball, but it actually ended up serving me a lot better because I came into it refreshed because I had taken those two weeks off to really focus on spending time with my family and just kind of be after a crazy month. And I was able to come into things a lot more clear rather than feeling like I had to do it because it was January 1st. So if you need permission to take a break, take a breather and implement things slowly in order to see progress in the long run, then here is your permission. I want you to do the audit. You need to do the audit. Without the audit, you can't improve your business, but you don't need to overwhelm yourself either. Do the audit, break it down, tackle it bit by bit, and the success will come. I will see you at the next episode. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of the CEO Shift Podcast. It would mean the world to me if you took a few minutes to leave us a review on wherever you were listening to this episode. Thanks so much. And we'll see you next time.